Hello, welcome to another Office Hours podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm Aaron. And this is podcast seven of the Preparing for Funding series. Seven of how many? Seven of seven. Oh, that would make it the ultimate. That would make it the one after the penultimate. Yes. Such an odd word, penultimate. Mm -hmm. Have you ever used it in conversation? I have. (laughs) Because you went to an Ivy League school, so I'm not surprised. No, I went to a fake Ivy. Oh, okay. How did you use it in conversation? I, I mean, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. So like you said, I'm at the penultimate chapter of this book. Yeah. Or... You know who uses it a lot? John Fahey on the ticket. Mm-hmm. When he's doing the ticket top 10 mm-hmm. every night, he will refer to the second to last segment that he's yeah, playing as right, the penultimate. Does. I think he's doing it in jest. Anyways, last week's was a penultimate yes. episode. That was Accelerators and Incubators. So this is the ultimate, ultimate. one after penultimate episode of Preparing for Funding. First of all, quick announcement. We are very pleased to announce Founders Day. Maybe you got an email or saw a tweet about this. Founders Day is a series of workshops for startups. Vela Wood is presenting these. We are going to do three of them this year. The first ones will be focused on idea and beta stage companies. So those would be people who are at the very beginning of our podcast series here. Maybe those of you that are out there listening, an idea or beta stage company would be someone who, if you've raised any money, it came out of your own pockets or your friends and family. Uh, you're probably pre-MVP. You likely don't have any employees yet. You're far away from revenue. Real early, early in the company life cycle. This would be April 19th to 21st. There's going to be a dinner Thursday night, workshops all day Friday, workshops again Saturday morning. You can learn more and apply at VelaWoodLaw.com forward slash founders dash day. Again, that's VelaWoodLaw.com forward slash founders dash day. All right. So our first seven episodes before we got to, well, the first five, and then you have the penultimate episode, and then you have this one, which is seven. First, we had incorporation. Then we talked about founders agreements. Then we talked about friends and family investors. Then we covered pitch decks. Then initial sophisticated investors or your first kind of real money in. Then last week, that was accelerators and incubators. And today, we are talking about the actual seed round. We are raising real money. So interesting, Aaron. When we first started getting into this, let's say you know six, seven years ago, when we really started doing a lot of early stage venture activity, a seed round was anything less than $750,000. Remember that? Yeah. If you had a million dollar round, that was an A round. That was an A For round. sure that was an A round, which meant big long documents, lots of attorney's fees. Seed round was two fifty dollars to seven fifty. dollars Now we're seeing $250,000, $750,000 as a safe round yeah. or a quick convertible note round. Seed rounds, I'm very pleased to say that we are now seeing million and $2 million seed rounds here in Dallas. Yeah. Now, our investor clients, our VC clients, we were investing into those in the last couple of years out of the West Coast, right? Right. So that's when we started to see. But I feel like $2 million is now the threshold. $2 million below is usually a seed, though you can definitely have an A round yeah. in there. And then, and then $2 million above would be an A round. So if I'm looking at a dollar amount, Aaron, I'm going to find a seed round is probably five hundred grand to $2 million. What other characteristics or factors do you think determine a seed round? Sort of first outside money in. And what I mean by that is we're not talking about founders money. We're not talking about friends, family. Um, we're not talking about your fraternity brother. We are talking about going out to angel, angel groups, all of the sort of pitch events they have around town. That's what I think determines a seed round. Those are yeah, those are those type of investors. Let's talk about where the company is in the life cycle of the development, Aaron. Obviously we're defining the funding part as being at a seed round, but talk a little bit about where are the employees? Where's the office space? Where's the product? Where's the marketing? Yeah. So might have an employee or two other than the founders. In terms of the product, it's usually MVP or later, maybe 
and this is a big may, maybe generating revenue. Maybe. But, I agree. But probably close pro- to it, though. Close to it. You, you, you probably have a plan to get to break even. Right? right. It would be odd to be at break even. That'd be awesome. Right. At seed stage. But you should be able to demonstrate that, hey, we get this money in. We've got our product done. We're probably going to do a little bit more testing on it. Maybe really hone in on product market fit. But we can get to break even. Right. Does anyone ever get to break even with the seed money? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, if you have, great. You're right. But uh, more likely than not. Yeah, usually no. not. But it's a lot of times it's because you're growing so fast, you decide you want to grow more and expand and right. you need that A ramp. But yeah, I agree with those things that Aaron's saying. A seed company maybe still working out of a co working space. They might be using this money to go get their first real office space or just to get a dedicated office right. in a co working space. Like Aaron said, a seed company might have one or two employees. Most likely, they're using the seed money to hire employees. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most common use of funds that we see for a seed round. Uh, but I agree with that. So those are the characteristics that round out where a company is at a seed round. We'll put a link in our show notes, but we have a early stage company life cycle, which will also help to uh, give you some ideas of the characteristics of a company at seed stage. So Aaron, let's talk about the structure of a seed round. Yeah. So we talked briefly that you could have a convertible debt. You could have a safe agreement. What are your thoughts? And let's say you're investor side and someone's raising $2 million in convertible debt or $2 million in a safe round. What are your thoughts then? If I'm representing the investor, I like it because it means they're not spending a lot of money on legal. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, uh, in terms of going from least expensive to most expensive in terms of legal cost, it goes safe, convertible note, and then equity. And so from the investor perspective... I like that they're being smart with their cash. If you're in a market where startups are in high demand and you know investors are having to fight to get their money in, chances are the company's going to be raising with a safe. And yes, safes are more company friendly. But if you have a hot startup and you want to put your money into it, you're probably going to have to take a safe. Convertible note would be much more investor favorable, friendly, just because it is a debt obligation. There is interest that accrues. In the event of a bankruptcy, the convertible debt will get paid off before. Let me give a you safe. an anecdote on that. We have an investor who had recently who invested into a startup that raised a couple million dollars, and the startup just decided just wasn't going to make it. They still had a couple hundred thousand dollars left, so they went and paid out the note holders mm-hmm. pro rata because, like Aaron said, the note is an unsecured debt, so it does have preference over the equity holders. A couple of the equity holders said, "Hey, what about me?" But once once the company explained it to them and, and talked to the attorney, he said. That's the problem with equity. It doesn't have the preference that a convertible note would. So yeah, like Aaron said, there's a little bit of a benefit to a convertible note there. Aaron, what would some of the drawbacks be? If if we're venture side, we're representing the VC firm, and there's a $2 million convertible note round in front of us, why wouldn't we want to do that? Why why might we encourage our client to try and restructure it as an equity round? Most importantly, probably is being a shareholder, having stockholder Mm -hmm. rights, being entitled to vote on certain matters. Obviously, if you are an investor and you're leading a $2 million convertible note round, chances are you might have some protective provisions baked into the documents. It's important to keep in mind, though, that any sort of extra rights or privileges that are not typical in a convertible note round or in a safe round will increase legal costs and will also typically extend the closing. It's going to take a little bit longer because you got to draft up some documents and negotiate them. Yeah. The... Being a shareholder is kind of encapsulates why you do want equity or why you would want to structure it as a equity round or that sometimes they call it a priced round. You can set your terms. You know, if we do a convertible note or a, or a safe agreement, then you're going to be beholden to the terms of the next round. 
and you might get pushed down a little bit. Uh, most likely, you're going to by a larger A round, but that's okay. That's just part of the process. And I think any seasoned venture investor will understand that it is more important to have clean, well-recorded documents and be prepared to raise Series A funds than to get in there and negotiate little points here and there as yes. the investor. Recognize the seed round is not going to be the last round of funding. No, but to the extent that you're doing a an equity seed round, be careful with giving up. If you're on the company side, be careful with giving up too much because investor-friendly provisions that get put into seed round documents oftentimes have a hard time going away in the A round. Or they get exaggerated in the next exactly. round, right? Yeah. Like a redemption clause. Or a participating preferred Correct. or a declared, you know, an 8% dividend yes. or whatever. Agree 100%. Whatever you put into the seed round is going into the A round and it might be more investor friendly. Right. So perfect transition. Where do you go to get seed round docs, Aaron? If you are the company side, you go to seriesseed.com. I think- Generally speaking, SeriesC.com is the more well-known of the two. I say of the two, there are obviously a number of different options, but the ones we see most commonly are SeriesC.com and then Gust.com. And Gust.com is going to be more investor-friendly. You know, honestly speaking, I've only worked on maybe one or two rounds that use Gust.com documents. Yeah, I'm just now starting to see them circulated. Right. I agree. Up until last year or two years ago, 80% of the seed deals we did were using seriesseed.com. The other 20% were using some sort of variation of it, right. right? So only recently we're seeing Gust. And the reason why you're seeing more Gust is because more angel groups are syndicating or getting more professional and they're pushing their docs out there and then they use Gust right. as a platform. So yeah. they're using Gust documents. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the the Gust platform? Yeah, generally, let's talk about that. So the Gust platform is software that angel groups use to communicate with their members to take in applications for funding and to review deals. So anyone who is looking for seed investors, you would be wise to check out Gust and see if there's any networks that fit what you're looking for. The other big one being AngelList. Yeah. Right. AngelList is, is a big one. And I think they typically use Series Seed Docs whenever I see people come from AngelList, though that's not necessarily its own fund. There is some funds out of it, but AngelList is just a repository or a database of angel investors. And you can go as an as an entrepreneur, as a company, look for investors who might be interested or who have a history of investing in your industry or deals that are similar to yours and reach out to people. And these are all accredited investors who have made it publicly known that they want to do angel investments. So Series Seed and Gust, some similar provisions. As Aaron mentioned, Series Seed is more company friendly. Gust is more investor friendly. Both of them are pretty streamlined. It's not a full-blown... Series A deal, the docs are probably a third to a half, would you say, Aaron? Maybe yeah, less. I mean, yeah. To give you guys just some broad ranges, if, if a Series A deal is between 35 and 55, I think a C deal can be done for as little as 7,500, usually 15 to 20, yeah. right? If it's clean. Yeah. Now, contrast that with like a safe round. A safe round can be under 10, for right. sure. And convertible note, note round, somewhere between 5 and 20. A lot of that depends on how many investors on the other side and how active their lawyers get with the docs. And I don't know if you want me to go into detail on why is a convertible note round or a safe round so much less expensive than a seed or an A? Yeah, I think we should talk about it because I also want to talk about a few things that can make those rounds more expensive that yeah. we're seeing in a deal right now right. that one of our VC clients is interested in. So why don't you do that and then I'll piggyback yeah. on what you say. So you know, when we talk about the cost of these deals from the legal pr perspective being less 
if you're raising a safe or convertible note round as opposed to raising a seed round through an equity raise, a preferred equity raise, or even a Series A preferred equity raise. The reason for this is that in a safe round, a safe really just going to have the safe document, which is a simple agreement for future equity. In a convertible note round, you're going to have a convertible note purchase agreement and a convertible note. But when you get into a seed round using the SeriesC.com documents, you're going to have to amend and restate the certificate of incorporation of the company. And that involves some heavy lifting on the drafting side. And then you have to file that with the Secretary of State. And then in addition to that, there's a stock purchase agreement or a subscription agreement. On the Series A side, without trying to jump ahead of us, Series A documents are typically, you know, you're usually using the NVCA templates. And the documents that go into a Series A round when using the NVCA templates, you're going to have to amend and restate the certificate of incorporation again. And then there's a stock purchase agreement, there's an investor's rights agreement, there's a voting agreement, and then there's a right of first refusal and co-sale agreement. And so at a minimum for a Series A round using NVCA docs, you're looking at five documents. That's not including the written consent to approve it. Chances are you're going to also have to amend your stock option plan to increase that. So there is just more drafting and more negotiating to take place in a Series A round than in a safe round. For the founders out there who might be tuning out thinking this is just a bunch of legal gobbledygook, that is the worst thing you can be doing right now. Look, you're going to have counsel to advise you through this. Hopefully, you're going to have good venture counsel. However, it is critical that you understand what these documents are and why they exist. I can assure you, every sentence of every provision of every page of every document has a critical role. It may never come up, but to the extent that it does, it is going to be very important that that provision is there and it's protecting the company or laying out the rights and obligations of the parties. And contrary to popular belief or opinion, lawyers do not get paid by the word. So (laughs) we don't want these documents to be long. We want them to be as long as they need to be in order to protect our client and to achieve the agreed upon terms of the round. Let me take an opportunity to just help you understand why legal costs could also increase. A lot of times we get into a deal and we note that the corporate governance wasn't done appropriately, or even worse, there were some mistakes that were made that could render those actions void or avoidable, such as the company issued shares when it didn't have authorized shares. The company had a purchase agreement with someone who signed an agreement. The number of shares in that agreement is different than the number on the cap table. Stock options have been exercised or issued that weren't accounted for or went in advance of it or above the number of shares authorized for a plan or that were never authorized by a plan, right? You see all kinds of stuff like that. Not to mention getting into legal contract due diligence where a seed investor and A investor could say, hey, show me your employment contracts, show me your sales contracts, your vendor contracts, and those aren't properly executed or those aren't correct or those were misrepresented in some way. So all of those things could lead to increased costs. All right. I want to talk about the mechanics of the actual process, right? So let's say, Aaron, client comes to us and they say, I've listened to episodes one through five and the penultimate episode. I've taken all those steps. We've done everything we're supposed to do. We are ready for a seed round. Here's where the company is. We want to raise $1.5 million into a price round. What do we do there, Aaron? First question I have is, do you have investors lined up? Exactly. Is there a lead investor? So let's let's hone in on that. When the client comes to us and says, I want to raise a $500,000 safe round, mm-hmm. what are we doing there? Great. What are the terms? We'll put together a term sheet. Usually, we're going to lead the term sheet. 
right? We're going to lead the term sheet drafting. We're going to put together the terms. But in the inverse scenario, the client comes to us and says, I want to raise a $1.5 million round. And you said, first question, do you have an investor? So they say, yes, I do have an investor. I have someone who's interested in investing a million dollars. What's our response then? Typically, you want to be certain that they actually have an agreement for that investor to invest the money because chances are at this stage of a round or at this level of investment, the lead investor will be providing the term sheet. So if our client doesn't have a term sheet yet, then it's causing me to think, okay, maybe they don't maybe they haven't gotten to a hard agreement yet. Yeah, I agree with that. I think our response in that scenario would be if you don't have a term sheet in hand, but you do think you have a lead investor, get the material terms from them. Right. We're happy to draft the term sheet. Right. But we want to make sure we have material terms negotiated. Now I will say if you have material terms negotiated and they have not provided you with the term sheet, you don't need to go ask them for one because I, obviously I would prefer to lead drafting yeah. of the term sheet. So I don't want them to go say, hey, my lawyer said that you're supposed to give me a term sheet. I agree. A lot of times we just get an email that right. says we agreed to a million and a half at a six million pre using seriesseed.com. And that's great. And then right. we will put together that term sheet. So that's the first step is you got to get a term sheet in hand. Usually comes from the lead investor. At least the terms come from the lead investor. Contrast that with a series A round where the actual term sheet almost always, almost always comes from the investor. Okay. But so we're going to put together a term sheet. Then we put together a term sheet. We got to go around and circle up money. So Aaron, if we've got $500,000 agreed or committed and we've got, we want to raise a $1.5 million, are we going to start drafting documents yet? No. I don't think so either. No. Because the investor, the $500,000 investor probably doesn't want to be the only investor in the round. Right. Right. So we t- give that term sheet, tell the company to go shop it, <laughs> shop it, do it the appropriate way. I need to be careful about that. You know, talk to your attorneys about making sure you're not doing any inadvertent public solicitations or, or offerings. But you go talk to angel groups, you go talk to you know, micro funds and, and angel investors. Once you have enough committed capital to the term sheet, and you're ready to start drafting documents. What's that process look like, Aaron, and how long does it take? Yeah. So from that point, assuming there's no corporate cleanup. Can it be done by Friday, like clients always say? Nope. <laughs> Listen, I recognize that company clients are not raising money six weeks before they need it. They, if they're raising money, they need it now. My objective is not to thwart that and not to just be some stuffy lawyer that says, well, no, 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 we have to take our time drafting. All of my clients are important to me. However, I have clients that have been waiting on documents for a week and a half. And so I am trying to triage situations as best as possible, keeping in mind, okay, this client's running out of money. They need to get this round closed ASAP versus, yeah, this client has been raising money for a month or two and and they're doing okay. So unfortunately, I can't get you docs by the end of the week, but we're going to try as hard as we can to get them out to you as soon as possible. Yeah, I would say a reasonable turnaround time would be two weeks, right? We can rush it to a week depending on some things. It is important that you come to us early on in the process when you're ready to start raising money so we can walk you through what the timeline is going to look like. So we draft the first turn, then typically we'd give that to the lead investor. Lead investor goes to their counsel. That usually takes what, Aaron? A week probably? Yeah. Three days to to five business days? Yeah, budget a week. Yeah, budget a week. And then it comes back to us. Then if you're pretty close, you might just have a couple of emails back and forth. If there's material terms that you're discussing, which there's usually not, that's why you're using Series Seed or Gus.com docs, then you just hop on a call, hammer out the last things, you're ready to execute. Most closes we see these days are rolling closes, meaning someone will close and then over the next couple of weeks, maybe a month, more people close. 
you do see situations where you have just one or two closes, right. maybe in our $1.5 million scenario, Aaron, we're going to get to a million first and we're yeah. at a million close. And because the investors want to make sure you get at least a million in, right. so we're going to do every one over one or two days, and then the company will raise the additional 500000 Or you might say, nope, the investor might say, I'm not investing until we have the full 1.5 and your attorneys will help you walk through that process. I will say from an emotional standpoint, having a single close is very rewarding. Yeah. It is, hey, we closed it and it's a celebrate. I mean, in my prior life, when I was a mergers and acquisitions attorney, there is no such thing as a rolling close. It is, okay, we are closed and it's definitely not the end of the work, but it's a celebration. Right. And then you go do all the post-closing. Yeah. We end up with a lot of huge rounds that the last dollars trickle in a month later and there's not even enough time to high five. He's right. already moving on to the next thing. But you know, whatever's best for the company, and I don't think one way is better than the other, it's really investor-led. If the investor wants to have a certain amount done, or if you just have one investor, then yeah, right. that doesn't usually happen at a seed round. Um, a couple other points about seed rounds. You're probably not taking a whole lot of small investors. I would try to avoid anyone less than 50 or 100 grand unless there's a real strategic reason to get them in, or maybe you have family members that you had promised or something. But just be careful with those because those guys can get difficult. It's just difficult to chase down all those signatures and to have all those additional shareholders on the cap table down the road. Okay, so to wrap this up, a seed round is going to be your first professional money in. It is going to be somewhere between 500000 and a, and $2 million. It can be more, it can be less, but typically that's what we see. A safe or convertible debt round, while they happen sometimes around that size, and you might call that your seed round, usually it's a priced round because the equity is called preferred, right? Series seed preferred. Usually you call it your series seed equity. The most typical standards that people use are seriesseed.com, the docs that are at seriesseed.com or at gus.com. Seriesseed.com are more company-friendly. Gus.com docs are more investor-friendly. And with anything that, you know, as you're going through and raising money, please just be out in front of this. Talk to your attorneys ahead of time. Hey, I'm thinking about raising a seed round two months. What do you need to be aware of? Think about raising a seed round a month. What do you need to be aware of? And your attorneys can be very helpful with that. So if you follow all these steps and you do everything that we've suggested and you've got your incorporation properly done, you've got your founder's agreements executed in place, you've got good initial sophisticated investors, once you close your seed round, you will be primed for an A round. The gap between a seed round and A round is anywhere from six months to 18 months, most likely. But doing these things will set you up for a nice, clean, smooth A round. Obviously, you need to have a company that, that's building something and that's going somewhere. And just because you listen to all these podcasts doesn't mean that you can do it without a lawyer. It does not, And it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a seed round close. Correct. Either. But hopefully, you found this helpful. So we're happy to share this content with you. Please reach out to Aaron or I with questions or comments, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. As always, our show notes are available on the blog, VelaWoodLaw.com. Click on blog or via the link in the iTunes episode description. Remember to check out Founders Day, VelaWoodLaw.com slash Founders Dash Day. The application deadline for ID and beta stage companies is April 6th. And in closing, this wraps up office hours preparing for funding. Remember, Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the Office Hours Podcast. Five stars only. only.
The Vailawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at